0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour of entertainment, business, numbers. Uh, I've got returns on investment, all kinds of good stuff. I also have a special guest with me today. So we're going to cover a lot of interesting topics. I wanted to start out with a list that I looked up of total returns of various asset classes for the year of 2019 so far. And I just thought it would be good to update that because we're already past the middle of the year. And these actually are mostly through July 31. So technically, I would say some of the stock numbers are probably lower now with uh, two weeks of August that we've racked up. But some of the precious metals numbers are probably uh, lower than they should be because of the big rise in gold uh, and silver lately. So I just wanted to let you know that uh, since I do 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 a lot of talking about keeping your money safe and buying money insurance, I thought we should look at some of the returns for 2019 so far. So I'll just start out with the U.S. stock market. And these are just general, uh, these aren't any particular stocks. So the U.S. stock market is up a little bit over 20% through July. The global stock market, not including the U.S., is only up 11% the actual best performer for investment type things in 2019 that aren't physical things well it sort of is is the real estate investment trust which you can buy as an investment in uh, with backed up by real estate that's up 21% in 2019 bonds if your broker says oh you're in bonds you're okay uh, they are us bonds have earned 6.3% for the first half of the year Global bonds are only 5.4%. Corporate bonds are 12%, but those can those can get a little risky. Now, commodities in general are only up 11%, but I wanted to let you know that the best-performing asset class in the first part of 2019 is da, 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 precious metals up 25.65%. What's interesting there is there are five precious metals that get tracked, and I believe I can... I mean, I know these five. I don't think there's any others that are considered precious. It would be gold, silver, and the next three are part of what's called the platinum group is platinum, palladium, and rhodium. So with precious metals being up 25%, gold and silver are up about 10%. But the kicker here is that palladium is up 21%. And my favorite precious metal, rhodium, that's R-H-O-D-I-U-M, is up 42% this year. So I'm very excited about my small holding of rhodium, which uh, one interesting thing is the entire, all of the gold ever mined in history would fit in a 60-foot cube, which would be like, you know, kind of like a large backyard, 60 feet high. But the entire amount of platinum ever mined would fit in a living room, And what's really interesting is, and I haven't been able to find a place that has described this properly, but the entire rhodium ever mined in history, it's about one-tenth the amount of platinum, which means it would probably be about the size of a small bathroom. So if you ever feel like investing in a rare precious metal, uh, I recommend rhodium. Its all-time high was $10,000 an ounce. Uh, When I got mine, it was around 1,200 an ounce, and right now it's at about 3,500 an ounce. And uh, I would guess that it's probably going to head back to its all-time high at some point, but don't quote me on it because if you buy an ounce at 3,500, you could be in some pain if it drops down to 2,000 or 1,500, which it could do. So there's never any guarantees with these things. But the main thing about investing in uh, physical precious metals is uh, you never lose what you bought, uh, you always have it. And uh, that can't be said for some of the stocks that people own and uh, some of the, uh, I call b- the ones built on air, but uh, that's for another that's for another episode. So Business Buzz today, we're going to talk about a lot of different business ideas and things that are going on. My guest today is uh, the uh, attorney extraordinaire, you've heard him before on Business Buzz, uh, Mr. Scott Hubbard, how
1: you doing, Scott? I'm being driven absolutely insane right now listening to you talk about precious metals. Okay. Well, I, I, why don't you just have them invest in canned food and shotguns while they're at it?
0: Okay. You know? Well, that, that, that <laughs> there should be some preparation done also, but I do want to remind you of the quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes, a mind expanded to a new idea never returns to its original size. Oh, man, now you're just
1: messing with oh, me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what's new in the Chico business world, Scott? I want to go back to your rhodium. You actually own rhodium. I own rhodium. There's only one company that makes it in bar form. And sometimes you go to buy rhodium, and you actually buy a vial of powder. But there's one company that actually puts it in a bar, and I've got one of those. Okay. I wish I had bought 10
1: of them, but I didn't. How do you test to determine whether or not it's rhodium?
0: Well, the, pla- the place you you trust, the place you buy it, and it's sealed in a serial numbered
1: plastic case. So because nothing in a plastic case can ever be a
0: forgery. That's, that's correct.
1: <sighs> no, no, the place that I buy it from, I'm, I'm, I know it's the right stuff. Okay, well, let's assume that you do want to invest in precious metals. Yeah. Why not just invest in a company? that mines precious metals now, instead of buying the precious metals. That's
0: a great question.
1: Now the the
0: the upside of investing in mining stocks is that when gold and silver pop, which they're kind of doing now, like for instance I mentioned silver's up 10% for the first half of the year, but some of the silver miners are up 30 or 40%. Right. So it's more of a leverage play to invest in mining stocks.
1: I mean, you But really- they
0: go up and down faster and you're still—see, that my point is that anything other than physical metal, you have what's called counterparty risk. In other words, everything you own, you have to rely on another party to oblige to their half of the bargain. Right. So you're not necessarily ever going to see the results if you own a paper stock versus a comp- a, a physical physical commodity. All right.
1: If— if the metal's a hedge, and let's be honest, it's a hedge. It's, 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 like, a,
0: it's like a currency to be right, in. A right.
1: currency for when the economy goes When paper craters, money goes down. When yes. it craters. Right. When the economy's going, going south in a real, real hurry, theoretically, the precious metals. So why if, if you're looking at it in a hedge, why buy the actual metal when you can buy the company that's pulling that actual metal out of the ground? all the benefits of owning the precious metal and none of the the headache of worrying that someone's going to break in your house, you know, right. dig up your hole well, and pull it out. Like I say, the, sto- the stocks of miners
0: go up and down faster than the price of the precious metals. Because of the speculators right. and the, people coming in. It's right.
1: a market-valued so asset.
0: So to me, the main thing for me is that the precious metals themselves are always, you'll have it, but it's... It's just like the example of the quarter in 1964 bought a gallon of gas. Well, that quarter still buys a gallon of gas, a silver quarter. That's the whole point. But you still have it if you buy the mining stock. Well,
1: I I would have to look that up, but that may not be the case. If I have a goose that lays a golden egg every hour, does it really matter? I mean, in this case, this is like a completely apropos example. If I have a goose that lays a golden egg every day, let's just say every day, you know, the size of the egg that's coming out. Does it really matter how much the market value of the goose is? If you know, it's going to keep laying these no, golden eggs. And
0: that's why I always recommend that the physical metal is just an insurance portion of somebody's, uh, portfolio. It's never
1: hundred percent. You know, it's a percentage. When we went to, when I did my finance program at Indiana university, um, The first thing they taught us is there's two types of risk. There's uh, company risks, and there's systemic risks. Now, company risk, I go out and I buy Apple, you know, Apple stock, and I put all my money in Apple stock. If Apple goes into the crapper, I lose all my money. So they tell you to uh, diversify. You know, invest in in all of the stocks, not just Apple. Right. And that eliminates the risk from the the uh, company risk from the individual company. You can't. Uh, and then the second category is, and that, that eliminates company risk. The second category is how to eliminate systemic risk, and that's typically uh, uh, T bills, things that you know I you get from the government, so that when everything else is going south in a hurry. Right. You have something to convert it in. 20% to, to um, they say you should do 20% T-bills, 80% diversify. At no point in time do they tell us to go out and buy precious metals, stick up a hole. <laughs> See, that's
0: what's different. 50 years ago, it was standard practice for stockbroker and financial advisors to say 5 to 10% in gold. Really? And that's before they had the gold ETF paper gold. Right. So they, and that's another thing. Yeah, too. in the old days, they did advise five to ten percent in physical gold. <sighs> Sorry, Scott. No, it's just it's just <laughs> so weird. I mean, there was well, it's a, it's, a, it's a percentage. Now uh, again, like uh, I've talked about Venezuela, but Argentina, the I think the currency's down twenty percent in the last couple days or something. Yeah. So the whole problem, and this is also the problem of holding bonds, is that. The precious metals now they don't always go up in bad economic times because in o eight when the stock market crashed, what you have is now the paper gold is the market people buy you know they don't buy physical gold right, most people right. they buy paper gold g l d in o eight gold went down to seven hundred dollars while the stock market crashed, and silver went down to eight dollars spot when the stock market crashed, and the thinking behind that is. All of the paper contracts, guys who were getting margin calls because their stocks had just gone worthless, Mm -hmm. they had to sell whatever else they had to cover their margin. margin. And so they had to sell their gold ETF and their silver ETF. So what I'm saying is that if and when, and the average lifespan of a currency is 29 years, if and when faith in paper money, which since 1971 in the U.S. is not backed by gold anymore. Right. When the faith in the paper money drops, that's when gold shines. It's going to offset the loss in your paper money value. It's like if your dad, when your dad was 20 years old, if he had heard that you were going to pay $350,000 for a house, for an average house in Chico, he would have had a heart attack just hearing that. Because... Obviously, houses were ten or 20000 back
1: then. He would have had a heart attack just knowing he was going to have a kid. <laughs> Much <laughs> less one, one who, like could, you. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. could actually buy a house, you know. <laughs> right. he'd, he'd be surprised if I lived in anything other than a car. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: that's another uh, reason I enjoy working with uh, Scott Hubbard is his whole family is smart. His brother's a great businessman, too. And they've always got something cooking. So, Scott, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you have been... Uh, lately, doing quite a bit of your share of uh, charity work on a private, in the private sector, right? Boy, that's a real smooth segue
1: there, yeah. Harold. Wasn't know. that? It wasn't sh- that cool the way I did just that? Do, yeah. do classes on that? Yes, Harold. Thank you for asking. <laughs> we've been donating food to the homeless every night, but not night. through an
0: organized fashion.
1: No, no, we've been taking food from our uh, from businesses that we own and operate, and we've been taking it down. Uh, and handing it out to the homeless every night. You know, we have, every day we generate an enormous amount of hot dogs, hamburgers, corn dogs, um, pizzas, croissants. You know, you would never imagine that uh, someone in, in a, well, I hate to say this, in a gas station business would generate such large quantities of food, but we do. And rather than throw it out and leave it in the dumpster and force someone to dig through the dumpster to get it, we, uh, we load it up in a little red wagon and, and take it around. And I say we, I mean my, my daughters and me, and we take it around to the people who, who uh, hang out downtown and other areas, and we just start handing it out to the people in need. And so now at this point, how long have you been doing this for a year or so or God, more? can or? you believe that? Yeah.
0: It's been a while, right? It has So been. now are they getting used to you being there? What if you can't make it or something
1: happens? Oh, they notice. They okay, absolutely a, notice, um, and they notice what time I show up too. And like, if you're late, <laughs> yeah, or early, because right. a lot of these people, they um, these people, a lot of the um, people on the street, they um, they don't have any other source of, of food. And those are the ones that really, really make you feel the best is when you come up and they say, "Oh, uh, Scott, thank God you're here. I haven't eaten anything all day." Wow. I mean that's that's you know, your your the one highlight of your day is knowing that someone's gonna show up in a little red rag wagon and give you two corn dogs, you know, to get you through the day. I mean there is a, a a woman downtown by the name of Karen and she's she's done that a time or two where she said, Scott, thanks. I was canning, they call it canning where they just go through the garbage cans looking for for anything of value and they she said scott i've been canning all day and the only thing i have to show for it are blisters on my feet thank god you're here wow i mean those those are the those are the moments that really that really warm your heart and make you happy that you're doing it and then there are the other times
0: right right. we'll talk about that in a minute stay tuned to business buzz we'll be right back after the break don't go anywhere Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation and we'll take the time to explain all of the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. Proverbs 15:22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Hey guys, I'm Bob the Drop. Welcome to my podcast. Do you like water? If you do, you're going to love me. I'm pure and simple. I'm talking refreshing. Yeah. Spent 500 years in a glacier. (laughs) Boy, was that cold. I never was and never will be tap water. Nope. Bottled at the source, the base of Mount Shasta. Yep, pure and simple. Naturally, the best. You can try me by calling 1-800-922-6227. Mount Shasta Spring Water. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Hope you're enjoying another nice, warm, Chico summer day. I'm here talking to attorney Scott Hubbard. And Scott, how many, you were saying, how many people do you feed each night uh,
1: normally? Or I wasn't. That was our break conversation. Okay. I was going to ask. <laughs> how many do you feed? You know, uh, we probably feed between 30 and 50 people every night, just me and my daughters are they sort of the same 30 to 50 or? They are. We get a rotate. We get rotation in, um, you know, a lot of the, you see the same faces and that's probably not the most troubling part. The most troubling part is the faces that you see are Chico residents. And when I say Chico residents, I mean people who grew up in Chico, grew up in paradise, grew up in Oroville, and uh, they don't have any place else to go So these aren't people from florida who took a bus here no i mean there there are some and I, you know anytime you deal with hyperbola right or you generalizations you know, you know. no none of them are ever in Chico, but or from out of state but no you you get every once in so a while whenever i meet someone for the first time i always ask them the same question so did you grow up here and you would be amazed at the number of people who said yeah chico high class in 1987 or yeah i went to inspire or yeah i went to pv i mean these are these are our neighbors these are these are people that are classmates i i went to chico high class in 90 and uh i started at parkview elementary school and these are these are the same people and for whatever reason actually not for whatever reason i have a pretty good idea on the reasons more often than not they just wound up on the street and there's just like downtown at the Civic Center. I know so many people. I ask at night, "Do you ever walk down there?" I said no, and I say, "Why?" And said, "Because I don't want to be stabbed, raped, or murdered." And in fact, you know, I go down there a lot at night to hand out food, and they're just the nicest, friendliest people you're ever going to meet. And again, it's because they grew up here. They care about Chico just as much as we do. They, they they walk around and pick up garbage. Now, the ones who can, and I say the ones who can, you're on the streets. If you're homeless, you're homeless probably for a reason. Um, maybe you have a problem with addiction. I find that of the people I meet, about 40%, you ask why are they homeless, it's not drugs. About 40% of them are alcohol. And another uh, 15%, they just don't have the mental capacity to... Uh, to handle day-to-day lives. you know they're just balancing a checkbook they can't do. And do, do you help people who are like in a family setup where it's a mother and a couple of kids sometimes God, or I really don't because at the end of the day I'm just one man with a with a wagon full of food, a little red Red flyer wagon full of food and two daughters. Right, you know, and so I feed about thirty or fifty of them, and ninety uh, percent of them are just ha- you know appreciate the effort, just someone caring about them. And you were saying during the break, some of these are the result of the campfire.
0: Is there some increase be- since oh, then?
1: Yeah, I've seen um, boy, the, <laughs> boy, the number of homeless campfire victims that I've seen down there just breaks your heart. I mean, just breaks your heart. There was, and they weren't homeless in paradise. No. But they are now. And there was, there was one, uh, you know, every once in a while you hear the success stories. And the success stories are the ones that stick with you too. Like there was a little boy, uh, no names, but he and I believe his grandmother would, would hang out down at the, at the uh, city center and play in the fountain just because they didn't have anywhere to, else to go. And they, they recently got a trailer. And another woman, I remember, I forget her name, and that's really sh- shame on me. She, uh, about six months ago, she came up to me and said, "Scott, good news, I got a trailer." And know, is this through the some government program? FEMA, or FEMA, FEMA okay. trailers. You know, and there are a lot of them still out there. There's a a gentleman. My, I didn't do it on Monday. I didn't hand out the food on Monday because, uh, or excuse me, Sunday night because I had a court appearance in L.A. on Monday, and so I had to to go down to L.A. And um, you know for this early court appearance, and so my daughter, who's nine years old, Audrey, said to mom, "Mom, we have to go feed the homeless now." And my wife says, "Well, sweetheart, your dad's not here, and I'm kind of tired." And she looks at me. Audrey's the one who's going to rule the world. She looks at her mother and says, "And this is according to her mom, Dad expects us to do it. <laughs> you know, just like you're going to get in that car and we're going to do this." And my wife told it to me, and I was really proud of her and really, um, um, you know, it put a smile on my face because you want to teach these values in your kids. And at some point in time in the last year or so, it's stuck. And so my wife, she swings by the station, she gets the food because they save it. And it's, it's not a lot of food. They've been better at managing inventory at the station lately. so. Oh, good. Yeah, I know. The business person in me thinks, yes, the charitable the charitable donation guy in me thinks, eh. So she, she loads up a little red wagon with food, and they drive over, and they get out of the car, and my little girl, she hops out, and she runs over to this pit bull, and she starts hugging the pit bull and, and letting it lick her face, and my wife just goes, Audrey, you don't run up to strange dogs like this. And this, this gentleman said, oh, they do it all the time. Right. The gentleman is a, a roofer up in paradise, and he lost his truck, he lost his tools, he lost his home. And so now he's down, on, down at the Civic Center because he doesn't have anywhere to go. He doesn't have a, jo- uh, a truck so he could drive to jobs. He doesn't have tools where he could earn a living and this is one of those people that you know we as a society just kind of don't look at we we say no i don't want to go down to the civic center because i don't want to get raped murdered or or stabbed but you know he's one of the guys down there and they're very protective of of each other down there and that's part of the reason why they they um why they congregate in one's place it's the same reason you had the caravans come up from uh Central America, why they all come together for protection. You know, one person by themselves can be uh can be a target. And I hate to say this. I've seen I've heard stories and I've seen with my own eyes the homeless be targeted in Chico. Where a, this, this I saw this Oh like drive by's throwing not, stuff or not something. Not throwing stuff, but just they they boy. They um You'll see a car drive by really slow and you know that they're looking for a target, someone to beat up, someone to do whatever it is they're planning on doing with them. And to know that that's out there waiting for you, if, you, if you're by yourself, that's really cold.
0: You know, I would guess that the, the group that you know or that you see, they probably would try to get rid of somebody who was doing crime amidst their group or something i mean yes they don't want to be involved with a guy that's breaking stuff or hitting people or assaulting (laughs) i'm just
1: guessing no that's actually one of my my favorite stories because i was down there with my daughter and this drunk came up and started threatening me and it happened in a, a group of of people as i was feeding them and he was just a drunk you know, he wasn't, he wasn't being threatened. I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I know how to handle drunks. And so, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, you take a retainer first. At <laughs> my house, we call those family reunions. But any case, so uh, that's a joke, guys. Yeah. So in any case, we, um, I, I handed him some food. We, we downplayed the situation. The, um, and it was really, I don't want to say it was traumatizing, but my, this happened in front of my oldest daughter, who's just the sweetest, sweetest girl in the world. And she had never seen something like that before. And so the following night, she had gone down with me again. And one of the homeless people came up to me, a guy by the name of Phil. And he said, Scott, I want you to know, we saw what happened to you last night with that drunk. We almost took him out. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> they know, don't like that in their said, midst, I'm sure. We, we take care of our own. Right. Right. And so that's, that's the mentality of why they're down there together. It's because one of them, bad things can happen. Right. But a group, and you know you do have to draw the line. There, some people are thieves, uh, some people are drug addicts, some people are, are alcoholics, some people. You just have to know who they are and behave
0: accordingly. All right, well, we're going to be right back after the break. We've got a lot more things to cover related to the charity work and other business. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll be right back. What is heaven really going to be like? Well, I, I think in the practical matter, it's going to be wonderful because we're going to see our Savior. We're going to see Jesus. Imagine looking into his face for the first time. David Hockey shares why all believers should be looking forward to heaven this week on Hope for Today.
1: Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX.
0: Hi, this is Rob Walter, host of Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is a program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness and where the uncompromised Word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free. Those held hostage behind the Iron Curtain of a shamelessly biased media. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Join me at 7 a.m. on KKXX.
1: Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. here on KKXX.
0: America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. Nothing hurts my mom, that she showed anyway. She'd always say, you do what you need to do to take care of yourself she thought that meant she had to do it on her own. We were trained to help others, but there's strength in
1: finding help for yourself too. We're in this together. The VA Women Veterans Call Center connects veterans with personalized information on VA services that can make a difference. Call one va women or visit
0: www.womenshealth.va.gov. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with me. I appreciate that. I'm here talking with Attorney Scott Hubbard. We got a few uh, categories we want to cover, but it's very interesting that he can feed that many people just with the food that would have to be wasted from his business. So uh, that's a pretty good idea. But Scott, I wanted to ask, what would you say to somebody who says, "Well, Scott, if you weren't doing that, these people might." Have be more motivated to find the right place to get help or get some FEMA money or get some monthly something that's available out there? I mean, I'm not an expert at all that, but uh, what what do you say to the fact that some people probably think you feeding them every day is letting them stay homeless longer?
1: That is actually, you're not the first person I've heard to uh, heard ask that question or make that statement. And one thing that I've noticed is that there are a lot of cities, or not noticed, but one thing I've heard from the homeless is that there are a lot of cities in California that have that very same attitude. Um, I hear Santa Cruz is pretty rough. Uh, A lot of them are on the coast. And the simple fact is they still have homeless problems out there, you know. We, we oh, do. You mean
0: places like Santa Cruz do offer a lot of help? No, for they them? don't offer a lot. Oh, of They try not to offer. They don't offer a for a lot the of tourism
1: help. idea. Probably. And uh, um, they don't want them there. And uh, there are you have other places to go. Don't come here now. Bear in mind, this is just what I've heard from the um, uh, from the population, and so I haven't verified it myself. You know, so these places, let's assume that there are places out there on the coast that still have that same philosophy as, uh, you know, the one you just espoused. They don't, uh, they still have homeless problems. You know, when someone's living on the street or living in the car and rummaging through the garbage can for food, how, uh, how much more miserable can you make their life than what it already is? You know, when it's raining, when it's cold, and you have to go out there and and scrounge up, literally scrounge up the food for the day, you think that having law enforcement roust you from one spot to another is going to make your life much worse? It's like the old Dilbert cartoon. What do you do when you have a flat tire? Well, if you're management, you rotate the tires and you drive home. What do you do when you have the homeless problem? Well, you move the homeless from one spot to another and then call it a day. It doesn't solve the
0: problem. Well, it's it's sort of a, overall, it's, just
1: sort of a endless bad problem that has no solution. Yeah, and we we um, we do pay the price for that too. Because uh, last time I checked, uh, and this is with the numbers from not the the last head count, but the one before it, Butte County had the same number of homeless people as Sacramento County, and that's because you know, we're probably the one urban area that uh, in the the otherwise rural northern California that has the support structure that can feed and house and offer service to a large number of uh, displaced people. And so they all come here.
0: Now, I also heard a few years ago, I heard a statistic say that before the official shelter that got opened up on the south side of town, we were like the largest urban area without a shelter. Have you heard that, like? Like the only eighty thousand person city without one, but I mean, you might know more than me. I'm I'm not totally up on it. I haven't uh, heard that one just yet. Yeah, I, I'm really not sure. So, anyway, moving along to the business side of things, uh, you may I don't know have you considered like some sort of nonprofit to help homeless, since it seems to be a,
1: a an interest or a passion of yours, or you know, since talking with us with me the last time about that on the radio i've i've really given s- serious consideration of that because for the loyal viewers, listeners who haven't heard your show in the last three weeks um you can deduct promotional activities so if you hand out hot dogs hamburgers pizzas and they have the arco logo on it say here you go courtesy from
0: Right. This uh, is from Arco. And Animal they all Street. know it's right. they all know
1: it's from Arco. Right. Um that qualifies as promotional activity. Right. And you can you can what was it, deduct the expense? Well, yeah, I mean it's like well, number one, it's
0: it's a little tricky in the rule book and I didn't look up that specifically, but here's the real reason. The cost of the wasted food in any restaurant or food place like you that actually bakes and cooks food that waste amount is a ordinary and necessary cost of your business. So it's not it's not a non-deductible thing when you always have 10 pounds of food that's overcooked and wasted, that's a normal cost of business. So I just believe that uh, giving it out with Arco papers on it is definitely promoting the Arco brand in Chico.
1: But if you're already deducting it then Well
0: no, it's not a double deduction. Yeah. If you threw it in the trash it would still be an ordinary and necessary business expense. And so if If you you took it home to feed your family, then it becomes a personal expense.
1: So, but if you're out there handing out as promotion, it's also another normal. Right. That's a, yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine. So how do we, how do we maximize this food from a tax Well, you know, you're,
0: you're already deducting it. So the only advantage to you turning this interest, if y'all call it an interest, I don't know if it's a passion or not, but this interest of you and your family who enjoys helping people who need help and you're able to do it the advantage is if you were to form some sort of nonprofit organization you could then solicit tax deductible funds from the public from others and then you could you know triple or 10 times the amount of meals you can serve
1: but for my business just simply- for
0: business you're already deducting all your food cost and it's either Cost of food or promotion instead of trashed food costs so
1: now let's let me take it step one step further when i uh if we throw it away what how would you value it if you threw it away versus if you same
0: because you when you bought a hundred hot dogs but you only sold ninety, your business is still expensing the whole hundred because you had to have a hundred
1: in order to sell ninety but is it the um is it the cost of goods? Cost Is of it, goods sold. If I hand it out as promotional material, would it be fair market value, though? See, that's... Yeah, there
0: there may be a special deduction let's, for let's, restaurants. Let me
1: let me tell you where I'm coming from. Yeah. If I buy this food, and sorry, guys, we're going to get real deep in the weed zone accounting on this one. If I buy this food and I throw it away, I can only deduct what I paid for. No, the
0: appreciated, for, No because that would be if you paid 20 cents for the hot dog that you're valuing at $2. Let's just say a dollar just for math. That unless now I would have to look up a special rule for restaurants, you probably wouldn't qualify as a restaurant because it's not your main thing. But in order to get an extra deduction for appreciated property like for instance if you were to donate a parcel of land to a church, mm-hmm. you would get to do, you would get to deduct the amount of the appreciated value. Right. The reason is is that The only time you can take the appreciated value of an item as a donation amount is when if you had sold it, it would have resulted in a capital gain. In your case, if you sell a hot dog, it's ordinary income. Hmm. So you can't do any appreciated value. You can't do
1: face value. Now, this, and this is what brings me up to the second one. When you're donating to a tax exempt entity, you can't. Donate you can donate if I buy a hot dog for 20 cents that normally sells for a dollar When you donate that food to the tax exempt memory serves you don't get The dollar you get the 20 cents. That's the normal. Yes, it's your cost But one thing that you can't do is you can't donate Services so for example if I have uncooked hot dogs and I donate those uncooked hot dogs to a food bank then I can only do the 20 cents, but if I add the service...
0: It gets even worse than that because the business, if the business is a corporation, it has a limit on how much of its net income it can deduct as a donation. So once you take those raw hot dogs and take them out of your train of cost of goods sold by cooking it, you're taking it out and making it a donation technically that's going to have some limitations on taxes. So there there's no magic bullet when it comes to this stuff. Ugh, but look. the the idea for you is that if you have a I won't call it philanthropic, but I guess it is, if you have a desire or a burning desire to help homeless, if you were to start a nonprofit, you could then parlay what you're doing into a large larger more help situation. Mm. That's all. Boy now there's I have another a headache. That's there, a lot. Now there's there's another thing I wanted to bring up today since we're on Business Buzz. And I looked this up for another client of mine. I've never actually been involved directly with one. California and I believe about 30 other states have a rule called a benefit corporation. Have you heard of that? I have. So, uh, for the listeners, the main thing about a corporation is the obligation of management and of the board is to make the most value and money for shareholders possible. And if they don't do everything for the bottom line, shareholders can bring a lawsuit against the board of directors or an officer for not maximizing the profits of the business. So there was a conundrum where there were businesses saying, you know what, like Ben and Jerry's started this. It's like we want to help all these homeless things. And even though we think it's good for business, shareholders could probably make a case that we just gave away 10% of our potential growth in profits.
1: Because they have a fiduciary obligation That's to right. the shareholders. That's right. Duty so loyalty. they came
0: up with this idea, and some most states have it. California has it called a benefit corporation, and the bottom line is you don't have to only work for the shareholders. So that could be a hybrid idea for you down the road, perhaps.
1: Anyone who would invest in that type of company.
0: Well, you know, it's, it's I think it's for feel-good type promotion.
1: If, if you're looking to help the homeless, there are dozens of charitable organizations out there. I mean, look at Walmart. Walmart's in the, in the business to make money. If they want to shell out a million dollars for a local shelter to help the campfire, you know, money is money, business is business, right. charity is charity.
0: Now, the other interesting thing is I've noticed a, a Target has a thing that says 5% of our profits go to ch- local charities. The reason they say that is for California purposes, corporations can only deduct 5% of the net income for <laughs> donations. So they're just taking advantage of tax laws. Anyway, we're coming up on that last break. We've got a couple more topics to cover. We'll be right back with attorney Scott Hubbard. I'm Harold Littlejohn. Stay right there. Pacific Justice Institute: This is the legal edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickis:
1: In the continuing efforts to eliminate God's sexual differences in American culture, Berkeley, California, is degenderizing its municipal code. For example, a manhole will now be a maintenance hole. These gender-neutral semantics are within the ordinance books of the city and presumably for city employees only. It does not appear that there are penalties for non-compliance. The Pacific Justice Institute advises vigilance to be sure these violations of free speech do not spill over to the citizens with penalties. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org.
0: That's pacificjustice.org. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back.
1: I wish she would stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I hoped he'd get help. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We're talking with Mr. Scott Hubbard. We have lots of topics we wanted to cover, but I'm going to encourage him to at least uh, consider taking his passion a step further or two, but we'll see. <laughs> his whole family enjoys helping him, right?
1: How yeah. many daughters help you with this project? Oh, um, you have two daughters I and a son, t- right? Two daughters, a son, and a wife. The- my son doesn't do it because the first day we showed up, a fight broke out between uh, two of the two of the people living downtown, and that mm. kind of spooked that him. kind of spooked him. Yeah. You know, me, I figured, I told him, I said, they're not angry at us. They're angry at each other. Just sit down, let it cool, and we'll hand out the food. And that was... He didn't episode. like that, yeah. yeah. But, you know, not, we not only help the homeless, we also, I do a lot of work with prisoners. I mean, this might be a, a conversation... For we might do time. this some other time, right. Yeah, because it's just the, um, you know, we have 15 minutes in describing prison litigation and helping uh, disabled prisoners who don't have any other outcome. I mean, talk about stories that'll break your heart. Wow.
0: We'll cover that sometime because yeah. that is the business of, well, the prisons are a business now too. They, some places are private prison run. They are. We could talk about Jeffrey,
1: Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein and, and the,
0: <laughs> the prison guards who weren't there yeah (laughs) that would be another
1: (laughs) that'd be another fun one and i'm sure of all
0: the coincidences in the world that is number one and i'll tell you the one thing i like about that is i've been being accused for 30 years of being a conspiracy theorist i accused you of it two weeks ago i know you keep doing (laughs) that but i think the almost the entire world now is seeing this stuff on the news and they're starting to think you know what Something is fishy. No,
1: nothing right, is fishy. I'm not going to argue. I, I dealt no. with the prisons. We're not it's, we're not
0: here to I argue. I dealt with
1: the prisons. When <laughs> they tell you that these prison guards are overworked and and the bureaucracy, he was taken off the suicide watch, and they didn't. You know, they didn't. I fall. heard today his
0: own attorneys requested he be taken
1: off. These these things happen all. The time. Yeah, but
0: not to the number one suspect in the whole world, right?
1: Yeah, now. and it sounds like Casablanca. I am shocked, shocked that there was gambling here. I am shocked, shocked that these two overworked prison guards didn't monitor him once every half hour, like this mandated by the regulations. Instead of, uh, instead did two hours. You know, that's another show. Oh <laughs> God, you're driving. We're have me. a lot
0: of fun. So the last thing that we're going to have time to, to to go over is. I happen to have seen over the weekend. Oh, good lord! A Kiss cover band. <laughs> oh, good
1: lord! What's oh, so, you and your Kiss so fanaticism. I, so I look, ladies so, and gentlemen, well, and as the listening I, public, the worst thing I ever did was tell tell Harold that I was building a restaurant with Kiss. Okay. So <laughs> anyway,
0: I looked this up. I found an article from Forbes in 2012. And uh, I'm, gonna I'm just going to reading glasses. For I'm just going to quickly mention. Um, Uh, Gene Simmons, who co-founded KISS back in 1973 and the bassist and co-vocalist, has has exceeded worldwide sales of more than 100 million albums. And it goes on to talk about all of his business projects like a KISS golf course in Las Vegas, a KISS coffee house, a reality TV show. I
1: was listening. I was there on the talks with the KISS golf course, and I met the people who put the KISS golf course together. And I've met Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley at the opening of the... The uh, Rock and Brews Kiss Band uh, restaurant outside of Knotts Knott's, Knott's Berry, Berry Farm. Farm was that the first one? No, that was the first one I went to. And how many are there right now of Rock and Brews? <sighs> Boy, I I is don't... it
0: nationwide? Kind of,
1: it was, and it still is. Uh, Dallas, uh, they just closed the one in Kansas City, which really bummed me out because I went to the one there, and I I loved that one. Um, It's just like any other chain, like Planet Hollywood went out. I mean, they don't all make it, right? They don't, and they're really they really do well in California, and you know, I guess which surprises the heck out of me because if I was going to open one, you know, if as long as it didn't require moving there, I'd pick Detroit. I think Detroit would probably be a a great place for for a Kiss restaurant. But my brother and I we showed up an hour early to get the best spot, which of course was one that uh gene and paul were shooting for but you know we got there first and so the exposition uh no mean? this was at the uh knoxbury farm grand opening oh and i gotta tell you the the nine year old in me was totally geeking out when he when he met um when i met paul stanley and and gene simmons is you know everyone everyone might remember him or at least you're you're the this audience might remember him from Gene Simmons' Family Jewels. Right. He's just like the television show and that man is a rem- relentless self-promoter. Right. I mean if there's any lesson to be learned from Gene Simmons, it is the re- that relentless self-promotion pays off. Right. And he's he's just phenomenally good at
0: that. Well, you know, that's the thing people might get the, since we've talked about this because of your association with the Rock and Brews opening up they might think I'm a big kiss nut, but I'm really not. I had one of their albums. And you are a big kiss nut. I kid. saw them in, 19, <laughs> I believe it was 1974. I saw him on a Wednesday night, and I was five feet away from Gene Simmons. You can deny dripping it. Dripping
1: blood out of his mouth and the whole bit. You can deny it all you want, but your listeners know <laughs> right. that you talk about this every time I come.
0: So my main point about that is that there will be a Rock and Brews opening up under
1: the Hubbard umbrella of business. In Sacramento, there will be. But you know, keep in mind, um, having the backing of uh, Paul and Stanley, uh, Paul and Jean, and uh, anyone for that matter, only gets you so far. If you are looking to start a business, and I, I can't stress this enough to young people, and by young people, I define anyone under forty, right, looking to start their own business. Take a business class. Take an accounting class. Learn how to read a balance sheet, a profit statement. Right. Learn about taxes. Read uh, if you don't have time to take them at your local JC. Buy one of the um, buy one of the uh, dummies books from Barnes and Noble, or you know, go online and read it. Right. This is this is critical information because a good idea will get you about five percent of the way. The other ninety. Now let's just say the other 75% is uh managing money because cash is cash is the blood of your of your business. And if you're hemorrhaging cash, your business is hemorrhaging blood. Right. And it won't survive long uh doing that. Right. And of course the third the third element to any successful business is just dumb blind luck. How many people came up with uh great ideas at the exact same time two or three other people had the exact same idea right they just saw it and everyone put two and two together at roughly the same time and so you have two or three people launching the exact same brilliant idea at the exact same time right and another lesson they taught us in business school is just because you enter the market first doesn't mean you're going to going to do it better if you have someone who has a brilliant idea and someone else comes in who knows how to handle cash, my money's on the person who knows how to handle cash. Right. Because that's the person that's going to have the financial resources to survive longer. And you just need that. I don't care what the what the enterprise is, except for acting. Steven Spielberg said once, uh, in every other profession you look before you leap, in acting you leap before you look. <laughs> but, you know, for business, opening a restaurant, opening a laundromat, opening a, a gas Uber, station, a gas—oh god, gas stations are the worst. I could not, if it wasn't my brother, is a financial genius. Gas stations are—are uh, are they money eaters? They are. Imagine They're money be- makers once they get rolling. Imagine being showered by pennies, and you—how successful you are is how well can you keep track of those pennies. Right. And that's gas stations cuz the profit on gas stations are not right, good. Right, right. And you have to have a lot of volume to make it work. And if you start bleeding out, if you have like a little cut and you're you're you have that much money flowing through the right. system, you will bleed out.
0: You know, one thing I've got to mention about the gas thing because I know you guys have an, an Orville place that one near Feather Falls and now Gold Country—they're selling gas for like sixty cents less than everyone else because of the federal tax or the state tax.
1: That is a longer conversation. Okay, for a that's a whole show. other. That's one. a okay. really good one. So
0: that bothers me because people are lining up to get gas at these places with this Indian, and I'm not knocking American Indians, but this whole casino Indian exemption federal laws. You don't, I personally think it's some sort of scam
1: <laughs> you don't have to knock the Indians and Native Americans I think would be a better term you right. don't have to to knock them it's not Native American specific Anytime you have someone with a price advantage over their competitors a legal price advantage they are just going to do better right but you know when I started our workers comp practice, one of the um, same deal you know when when someone comes in to a new market, you have to watch the books. First off, you need to bring in someone who knows what they're doing. And we did that with with Steve Reed. I mean, that guy's been practicing workers' comp stuff for 45 years. But Steve Reed doesn't handle the books. I do. And so when the books come in, you have to say, okay, great, you're helping Steve. Yeah, this is great. You're you're dotting this I and crossing this T and you're helping these workers. But for him to do his job, I have to do mine. And that means watching the the balance sheet, making sure the employees get paid on time. I mean, not paying your employees that's the right the cardinal amount. sin. That's the one sin I think that Jesus mentions in the Bible. Oh, dude, this is a Christian radio <laughs> station. You cannot get away with that joke. It's, it's not a joke.
0: Yeah, he actually says it.
1: Really? Yeah, I, really? I can't remember
0: the, where exactly, but he, ta- he there talked is a about quote. employee wages. Yes, sin. The, the, the one sin, the worst thing you can do is to not pay someone for their labor. Okay,
1: that's something a, like that. That's different than. Than not paying your employees' taxes. It's not the driving the money changers out. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. Well, those you got to pay the
0: employees, but you also have to pay
1: their taxes. Those money changers, boy, no one likes them, and you know, it doesn't matter no. where they well, set up. Well, if you
0: owned all the money, <sighs> you'd be a jerk too, probably. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so you know, if if it's we're winding down, and I gotta say, if you're starting a restaurant with Kiss, if you're starting uh, the world's best workers' comp applicants firm. If you're running gas stations, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're helping campfire victims, if you're helping the homeless, it does not matter what your pursuit is. You just got to have the financial background to keep the trains running on time, to make sure that the bills get paid, the employees get paid, the taxes get paid, just to make sure that you're not doing anything that you shouldn't, and even the best of us, myself included, I have got finance degrees, I got tax degrees, I got business degrees, a lot of degrees. I still drop the ball once every blue moon, where I have to call you or call uh, my friend some or, advice, some advice, just to make sure that you're you're doing it, because we don't all know everything. No, well, that's like me. I've got this one giant prob not
0: a problem. It's a giant tax issue with the new tax law. It only applies to one of my clients, but it's such a big number that we're dealing with that I absolutely have to know exactly how this new law is going to be. There's some irrevocable elections that might need to be made Yeah, and it's a big pain. So I just reached out today and I uh, shared my worksheet and questions with this uh, top-notch attorney down in Sacramento that knows this client personally for the last 30 or 40 years. And, uh, I need help. I have to work with somebody that can say, hey, I agree with what you're doing. I can't go it alone. Some things are
1: just impossible to know, like you say, you can't know everything. And no one can go it alone. And I realize that when you're starting a new business, you might not have access to the um, to the professional services that you need if you're running, see a multi-million dollar business, but you can Google it. You know, that'll get you at least across the plate so you know, you know, at least, no, you know at least to, you know what
0: to ask. Yeah. Or, yeah.
1: you know, get so it passes the straight face test if right. the IRS comes after right. you. Or, or
0: if you can find out what you need to know so you can pay that guy $400 for one hour if he's the guy you need to talk to.
1: Yeah. But that's, there's, there's problems with that. That's a different.
0: Well, I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. Uh, but if you're barking up the wrong tree, on one point, you're absolutely right because it's better to pay someone 200 and $50 or $400 for one hour rather than pay the IRS right, or lose
0: 10,000. Cause you, you know, just
1: bit the dust on your business idea, you know, predatory predatory pricing. If you commit predatory pricing, uh, in Butte County, the penalties are off the, it's ch- like, like 10,000 a day or something, 10,000 per incident. So for the love of God, go talk to someone who knows what they're doing before you do something like that. Good idea.
0: That's a great lesson to be learned. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate you helping us out on Business Buzz today. And thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great summer day in Chico. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll see you next time on Business Buzz. KKXX,
1: Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico. News this hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. President Trump seems to be dialing back on his recent push for meaningful gun background checks. White House correspondent Greg Clugston has the story. In the immediate aftermath
0: of two recent mass shootings, the president said there was a strong appetite for tougher gun laws and that he wanted to do something. Now he insists the U.S. already has very, very strong background checks, and he's emphasizing the importance of the Second Amendment. And we have to be very careful about that. You know, they call it the slippery slope, and all of a sudden everything gets taken away. We're not
1: going to let that happen.
0: The president says many of his supporters are strong believers in the Second Amendment. Greg Clugston, The White House.
1: Airlines are expecting record crowds over the long.